0: Welcome to our podcast doing it right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokoloski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well,
1: hello again. Now, you know, this show always highlights leaders who are doing it right. You know that. Well, our guest today is Nancy Vish a woman who is doing so many things so right in her role as president and chief nursing officer at baylor scott and white heart and vascular hospital nancy is known for hands-on leadership which i'm going to ask her to talk about and she's she's has this prestigious role while staying really humble. I got that from the moment that we first met. I always do pre-interviews either by phone or in person to kind of get to know the guests before you get to re- hear and see them. And what came across was that she is truly a humble person. So I'm going to brag on you, Nancy. So here I go, and then I'll welcome you and get you into this right away. First of all, her titles. Okay, RN, PhD, uh, NEA, BC, That's a lot. (laughs) Nancy holds a Doctor of Nursing degree from Texas Women's University, a Master of Science in Nursing degree from Vanderbilt, and a Bachelor of Science in Nursing degree from Indiana University in Pennsylvania. And she earned her doctorate while raising two kids. She now is literally touching hearts since she helped open the hospital in 2002, the first North Texas hospital dedicated to treating heart and vascular patients. Here, she and her team are driven to help the community not only treat heart disease, but certainly prevent it, something so, so important we all know. Dr. Vish has been honored in top 100 women in healthcare to watch three years in a row. She's been recognized as one of the 100 great nurses in Dallas and has been profiled by Health Leaders Media. Thanks to her experience in nursing and her passion for leadership, the hospital has earned many awards and recognitions, including the Texas Award for Performance Excellence, which is the state's highest quality award for organizational performance. Now, let me welcome you, Nancy.
2: Thank you, Valerie.
1: And Nancy's first podcast. It sure is, yes. Yes. (laughs) And and I did tell her, I said, Nancy, just, you know, we're just going to chat and you're going to forget that any camera is on, so that's my promise to you. All righty. I want to start by um, asking you some things about this hands-on leadership and the culture that you have inspired and are leading at the hospital. So what is hands-on leadership?
2: Well I would say hands-on leadership is really understanding uh, and knowing your team, the, the leadership team that's there supporting you and par- partnering with you. Um, I also believe it is uh, being very integrated in the culture of the organization through visibility as well as clearly communicating expectations and what we do expect from the culture as well as uh, the outcomes of the organization.
1: So you're known for culture. What is your culture? Can you describe it?
2: Well, I I would say first and foremost, it's a culture of uh, safety and quality. Mm -hmm. Um, Our focus is on um, getting to and keeping zero defects, uh, ensuring that we're at the highest levels of quality. And it takes a special person um, that has that drive Mm -hmm. um, to achieve uh, that type of rating and consistent behavior. So we spend a lot of time uh, selecting just the right people for the job.
1: So how many are on your leadership team, Nancy? We have a little bit over uh, 40
2: people on the leadership team.
1: Wow, that's a lot. Yes. So if I were in the industry and I heard about your wonderful culture and wanted to come to work and be under your leadership, how would i do that how do you vet those people you just described
2: it's a fairly extensive process is it and uh yes so uh you know being part of baylor scott and white uh we do have a, a, a the normal vetting process that's through recruitment and so uh you do your application you go through your normal uh Application process. Mm -hmm. The HR stuff. Correct, correct. So, uh, but we do set some guidelines on uh, the types of degrees that we're looking for, um, the uh, places that people get their degrees. Really? Um, That matters. Yes. Okay. I I believe that that's very important. We also set expectations for uh, GPA. Um, so that we know that they have uh, had the capability of achieving a higher GPA in school. Um, Once that has happened we'll do a phone interview and then uh, we bring the applicant, assuming they've passed all of those marks, we bring them in. We do encourage them to look on our website for uh, a little bit about the culture, um, the types of outcomes that we have so that they have a feel of what to expect and what we expect and then once they're on site, is the time that we're uh, clearly communicating our expectations um, and answering their questions um, that they have for a place of employment. So I often call it a, a speed date to a work marriage. Uh, a we have date. we have multiple. Uh, interviews uh, for the applicants so we generally tell them plan to be with us for about six hours
1: six hours now how far previous to that what was the process timeline before they got to this opportunity for another six hours? Uh, that may vary
2: um, based on uh, the applicant's ability to uh, be on a conference call and, and do a, a pre-interview screening, but generally we hope that that would be within you know a week of an application or two. So um, the leader uh, uh, interviews the applicant, and then we have um, members of the leadership team as another round interview the applicant. And these are all about assessing character. In in a group, these are in a group. And then the uh, third interview, uh, and sometimes it goes to a fourth interview, is with their peers. And so we train um, key uh, team members on interviewing skills and the expectations. And so they participate in um, uh, providing feedback to us. On if that person would be a good cultural fit and their experience that they feel that that is somebody that they would welcome to the team
1: so that sounds awesome and rigorous how do you really vet character how do you know
2: Well, we ask a lot of questions about the individual's history, their work history. Tell us a little bit about uh, work history if you have it, school, experiences in school. And um, we focus on um, their perspective of working with other people. Difficult situations, great situations. Um, One of my favorite questions to ask is, um, to ask them, what is, how would somebody describe you? And I will ask them to give me one adjective mm-hmm. and that and I'll pick about five or six different viewpoints that somebody may have of a person. Hmm. And so that would be a coworker or student, a previous employer, mm-hmm. um, a family member will pick one, um, and then uh, certainly what would your best friend say about you. Um, and those adjectives, when you're asking for them very quickly, mm-hmm. um, it's really a very natural assessment um, that that applicant gives you because they really weren't expecting that mm-hmm. type of question. And so it then triggers uh, further questioning, you know. So mm-hmm. if they say, um, you know, this was somebody's perception, or my boss's first adjective to describe me would be X, we'll ask uh, more probing questions. So it's really uh, to try to understand situations that they've had mm-hmm. in their past and how they dealt with it. It's very important to understand um, and try to get as much as we can about emotional intelligence. Oh, that's a big one right now. Mm-hmm so we want to know how people deal with the unexpected For deal sure. with difficult situations mm-hmm. um, and so uh, that is key and then uh, the other piece is compassion it's why did you choose to work in a hospital why are you choosing health care
1: yeah.
2: in our world it provides a lot of flexibility as well as a steady income but that's not just who we want to attract. I would hope not. We want that person who sees this job as a mission, a calling. Mm -hmm. Um, We're looking, and the stories are amazing of why people chose healthcare
1: or why they chose to come to our hospital to apply. Like what kinds of things stand out to you?
2: Oh, you know, we have a good number of people who, uh, had a personal experience with family, grandparents, parents, somebody, um, right. Mm -hmm. Or it may be a health event that occurred that Mm -hmm. said they want to be a part of healthcare. Uh, that's very, uh, we hear that a lot, um, in the candidates that we select. Um, but that's, that is a, a key piece is having that compassion. You can't teach that. I can give somebody skills. I can teach them information through our entire team. We can provide that, but we cannot create character. Well, that
1: comes from what you're involved in, the heart. Right. And you're right, you can't. Why did you get into healthcare, Nancy? I
2: wanted to make a difference. Healthcare, uh, I believe, Leads to quality of life. Uh, it is caring for people, so that was a natural for me. Uh, but getting into, as I uh, moved through my career, I realized that as I took on leadership roles, that I could impact more people mm. um, I started off in ICU and so I worked trauma and transplant and uh, in Pittsburgh and I saw a lot and I experienced a lot imagine. in those ex- in that time and um, and as I started to take on and I had very high expectations of myself and saw that uh, focusing on details and ensuring that you have outcomes it's a huge outcomes that are positive, it's mm-hmm. a huge responsibility. Um, and so as I took on leadership roles, I realized that I can impact more people, which mm-hmm. was very important in a positive way, if we can ensure that we have the right people taking care of patients, uh, with the right focus, um, and, um, and the ability to work together. So, so that was uh, some Of uh, what led me to where I am today.
1: And it was a fast track, Nancy. Thank goodness you are in a hospital that is huge and Mm -hmm. that you're implementing that kind of a culture. So I'm curious about taking the next step, so someone's gone through speed dating Mm -hmm. and now they're a part of the team, they're proud to be there. How do you hold, you personally, how do you hold other people? accountable for maintaining the culture and and even their own values Mm
2: -hmm. Um, well first I have to hold myself accountable and um, and then I do I meet with all the employees as they are hired on and I uh, talk about values and culture spend a lot of time doing that i also have someone come in and talk about emotional intelligence in our onboarding classes what do they say
1: what kind of things about that um well we we really
2: talk about um, how to interact with people how to manage and control yourself and stay focused and really it gets back to the values why are we here and what are we doing you have to understand that as we experience different things we have no control on a daily basis for the assignments oftentimes of what will happen in those assignments, your work, you have to be very flexible. Mm-hmm. But you know, as we get back to the values is, um, we have to trust people and the community trust us. I, um, one of my, uh, what I say often is, is that while I work for a great organization and I get a paycheck from a great organization, I work for the people of Texas. Mm. And that is our priority is that is our focus uh, is to serve the people of Texas and that we have to do what's right no matter who is looking. So, of course, we talk about integrity, but we talk about it takes um, a lot of strength to always do the right thing. And so you have to hold yourself accountable, and you have to hold others accountable. And sometimes that's an uncomfortable feeling. If you see something that is uh, incorrect or should have been done differently, that you have to speak up. Oh, like give me an example of that. It could be that you have witnessed an error in... Uh, It could be a med administration, or it could be that you have seen that somebody did not report all of the data elements that needed to be Mm -hmm. reported. Um, It's a variety of things. Uh, We often talk about, uh, in the surgical world, there are timeouts where you have to hold everybody accountable for being silent and going through the checklist and following The policies and the protocols so oftentimes we'll say you have to make sure that you speak up now Mm -hmm. speaking up in front of a crowd is you have to have a lot of um, how can you say confidence in yourself and courage (laughs) and so that's where we focus on you have to make sure that ego doesn't come between you and the patient what's right. And ego is what we mean is, and we refer to as fearfulness or embarrassment or um, uh, worry about being um, thought of differently by Mm -hmm. a group. Those are all those emotions and feelings that can occur and that could lead to a a safety issue. Right. And so we talk about that frequently Mm -hmm. um, in many, many meetings um, to make sure that we stay grounded on our values. The other thing is, is making sure that people understand you have to nurture your knowledge base and stay up with what's going on. It's a constant education for yourself and, um, and you have to invest in yourself that you also have to fill your tank up so that you have the energy to give back. If That's you, a big one. if That's your tank's not full, yeah. you can't, have that caring nature and that energy mm-hmm. on a daily basis.
1: You know, many of the things, uh, Nancy, that you're talking about are true in any kind of a company. Filling the tank is a big one. Mm-hmm. It sure is. So, okay, now I'm living my values and I'm happy at where we're working. Uh, one of the things that I know you're so known for is valuing feedback. and. From experience, what I find is that in large organizations, you have over 500 people that work there, I find that often in large organizations people are, um, how will I say, they're not given an opportunity really to give feedback. They may send a a piece of paper around or a survey monkey or something like that, but the way you ask for feedback is directly related to the kind of feedback someone's going to give meaning oh if I really say what I really think I'm going to suffer the consequences so how do you how do you do that effectively
2: right well uh, when uh, the new employees come and it particularly when they've had a work history at other places, I always say you have to be very aware if you're coming here with work PTSD. And that means that you've been in another place that if you spoke up, you were punished or you mm-hmm. felt that you were treated differently. Um, I was raised to speak up. I was raised to give my opinion. And I have we have chosen to raise our children in the same way. But uh, in orientation and onboarding, we talk about how have you been raised? Because people have to be aware of their backgrounds. Uh Their backgrounds may have led them through their parents. I'm the parent, you're the child, do what I say. Yes. Uh, You could have ended up having coaches do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, There sometimes is uh, in homes, uh, families, um, I'm older than you, I know more. <laughs> I'm more educated than you, I know more. Um, all of those can lead to uh, influencers in how you may act and react with somebody. You may choose not to say something or speak up. So, we want to make sure that people understand that transparency is important and that um, I often say you are the CEO of your own life. I like You're that. sitting in front of me with a history. Uh-huh. You have made decisions. You have people have had second careers. Uh, mm-hmm. It's amazing. You have uh, you have parents who have raised successful children in that room, and so we value what you can bring to the table, and we want you to share your viewpoint of what you see because we're not doing everything perfectly. And there are always better ways to do things. So we created, oh, many years ago, uh, the stupid list, the stupid list, the stupid list. And so I use the word stupid because oftentimes we say to our children, don't say that word. So it kind of takes, uh, you know, people will often laugh, but it also allows us to be vulnerable. We do things that oh. are stupid. And if you see something that we are doing in our organization that can be done differently or better, we want to hear about it. How do I tell you that? So you can, uh, <laughs> well, of course we have surveys where you can give information uh-huh. anonymously. Yeah. We also have a online uh, where somebody can submit something that is stupid. Anonymously. Right, anonymously. Okay. Uh, we've done... Um, surveys uh, every four to five months at different times specifically about what's stupid around here. That's so uh, those have actually, um, that information has brought in a lot of change. And it also creates a culture of we're looking for feedback, we're looking for p- feedback. Mm-hmm. So um, we've often heard people say, oh, I don't want to give a survey because they're, they're Uh, their survey they're tired of surveys or there's a um, uh, you get too many but I think if you create a culture that feedback we're gonna do something with it Mm -hmm. then you don't mind filling out a survey that's the point
1: isn't it if you do something about it
2: yeah it's an opportunity Um, now the work begins once we start to get that information because we have a very rigorous process of getting that feedback and creating spreadsheets and action items oh boy of what are the items um, what are we going to do about it and then we use a green yellow red meaning (coughs) red it came in it's a problem Yellow, we're working on it, and then uh, green, it's it's uh, completed, and then whether we choose to audit it or need to audit it after it's completed. Um, uh, so we try to keep it visual mm-hmm. and for so, everyone to see. Nancy. Yes yes so this is and put so out there vulnerably right right so uh so we do our people surveys so it can come in through the structured process we have our stupid list so that brings <laughs> uh information in and then we also have uh a lot of councils and so the councils are uh team members that are leading through counselor leadership and so mm-hmm. items will come in from that uh venue as well uh, that add to the to-do list and so
1: it's really a culture of continuous process improvement oh you took the word right out of my as you were saying that I was thinking well this is like continuous ongoing ongoing That takes time. Yeah, but Valerie, I have to
2: tell you that when we do these s- surveys, whether it be the formal uh, survey, people survey that goes out there or you get a stupid list- listing uh, <laughs> in, we have to sit our leaders down and say, okay, um, this takes a lot of maturity and growing, put your armor on because <laughs> you're gonna hear things that may be very, you could take them very personally and we have to teach, um, how could I say, some um, uh, strength in (laughs) accepting uh, sometimes some very negative feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, But we often remind people is, if it's in paper, they're already talking about it, you just haven't heard about it. That's so true. So, uh, So if you keep that in mind, you would rather know about it than everybody else talking about it. So whether it's personal or it's about how a unit is run or whether a process needs to be different, we need to learn to welcome that. But you don't just start off as a leader and have that resilience about you. No. How long did it take you to get thick skin, Nancy? Oh goodness. Uh, it takes a long time and I and I have to admit I mean uh, there are some stingers that you have every once in a while no matter how uh, seasoned you happen to be mm-hmm. but you have to always stay focused and remember that um, keeping open dialogue and communication only makes you better
1: that's for Only sure. makes you better and you know what you're talking about is so real even in in personal relationships in marriage tell us about yeah. your wonderful family and how you met your uh, husband I always like yes to ask that. uh well I I met my husband at a wedding
2: and uh neither of us were going to go to that wedding we ended up oh. at the wedding and that night he uh uh went back to his uh friends and called his sister and said I met the girl I'm going to marry wow so uh anyway we went on a date uh uh shortly after after we'd been talking a little bit and uh He asked me uh, what I thought it would be like to be the wife of an officer. He was a pilot in the army. And uh, uh, so I was a little stunned by that. I was stunned by that. And uh, when I um, got back to my uh, girlfriend's apartment, she asked me, how's that date? And I said, I think I just went out with a nut. (laughs) So I married that crazy guy and we're still married. We have two beautiful children. I have a daughter, Victoria, and a son, Anthony. Are either of them in healthcare? Uh, No, uh, my daughter is in law, and my son uh, is—he actually is aspiring to be a dentist. So he is at uh, Texas A&M right now. So that'll be the healthcare uh, uh, edge on it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. that's that's Mm
1: -hmm. wonderful. How blessed you are. How blessed many of us are. So. (laughs) <laughs> An interesting trivia, Nancy, that you talked about when I uh, interviewed you, you mentioned being a waitress. Tell yes. us about that. Well, I, I, I think I talked about two different
2: aspects of being a waitress. And uh, and in fact, I wanted my children to be in the service industry a little bit so that they got a feel for what it was like. So um, the first thing that I learned in being a waitress, and I worked at five or six different places, is I learned who I didn't want to be like. Um, I think that uh, how you treat people uh, was uh, something that stood out to me immediately in my service Mm. roles. And so uh, that was very important um, to learn from that and to learn, uh, there were role models out there, but that there were s- certainly other people that you learn um, in how they treated you as a service provider. That's interesting. So um, the second thing was that um, in the, wait- in, in the uh, restaurant business, it's for many, many years, decades, they do huddles and huddles are where you gather everybody together and talk about what's going to happen that evening and who's doing what role and uh, that huddle concept we have now in the hospitals and it really is a key uh, event at each shift which uh, really mimics what we've seen in the (laughs) restaurant industry
1: isn't that interesting life's experience life's experiences you bring to everything that you do what are you right now most curious about
2: oh what would i say i'm most curious about Um, i would say i continue to be uh, fascinated by what we learn in emotional intelligence Mm. and um, in behaviors and organizational uh, dynamics. Um, I can't get enough in reading that and reading about it. Um, and, uh, being able to apply. I, um, I, I love learning and I love being surrounded by people that, uh, have, uh, a lot of experience, um, so that you can learn from them. So I would say that's an aspect related to work anyway, sure. that, uh, I'm curious about and certainly the word emotional intelligence is a fad word so to speak but it's been around for a long time it's really about how do you get to strong organizational dynamics that you can uh, consistently uh, achieve your goals. Mm -hmm.
1: Well I'll tell you how important it is as you know recently I was working with a pharmaceutical company and as an outside vendor presenting the emotional intelligence program and all of the people took the assessment mm-hmm. the corn Ferry assessment uh, and then after the uh, workshops we had coaching one-on-one with each of the people that took the assessment it was very interesting Nancy how many surprises and these were these were mid-level managers yes how surprised many of them were that the score was lower than they thought and typically they would say well just i just don't know that this is this is right (laughs) so it it's bottom line what is emotional intelligence how would you describe that to someone that really doesn't know the term
2: i would say uh, emotional intelligence is uh, how you interact Mm -hmm. and react that's good and uh there's actually a disney movie out there that's called upside down or uh and it's these characters that actually talk about emotional intelligence
1: really and
2: uh we actually play pieces of that movie. Is it out now? It's been out for a couple years. Oops. We play, I think it's Upside Down or Inside Out, and um, okay. and we play pieces of that movie uh, in the onboarding process now. <sighs> so, uh, and, and you know, really what it is, is perception is reality. Mm-hmm. It is how you are perceived. It's not how you think you're behaving. That's right. It's how you're perceived. Right. The movie is actually
1: called Inside Out. Yep, you're right. Oh, yeah. it is called mm-hmm. yeah. Inside Out, Anna? Okay, did you get that, audience? Inside, Inside Out. out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to write it down. Go mm-hmm. ahead.
2: <laughs> so uh, in that movie, it, uh, it talks about what color ball that you choose and how you choose to react to something. And, you know, earlier you said, Valerie, about these skills that we learn, it applies to life. Mm-hmm. And we try to emphasize that it's not about... Just the expectations in the hospital. We're learning something for the hospital. We hope that what we're going to gift to you mm-hmm. is gift, giving you a gift for life. That this mm-hmm. truly will help you in your relationships outside the organization, as well as in your future progression in your careers and leadership. Um, interacting and working with people is, uh, it's life. It's, it's
1: life. Well, first of all. That's great to hear that you make the point because again, someone might say, "Oh, another class we have to take," or "Exactly, another, right, another exactly. assessment." Yeah. But when you tell, as the leader of the organization, when you make that point to people, I think right. it gives a little bit of a pivot in their minds. Like, right. "Oh, that's true. I can apply this to my own." relationships and what have you.
2: Right, right. We do a lot of things for ourselves that we may go out and buy um, and uh, investing in yourself from an educational standpoint is something that we don't always see as a top priority,
1: but that's a lifelong
2: investment. And so knowledge is really a gift.
1: Knowledge is a gift. And the healthcare industry is changing so much. One uh, more question on healthcare. And then I want to end with a couple on you. Um, on healthcare, what is the future as it relates to uh, skills with this AI that's coming?
2: Right, right. I think it's going to help make us smarter and better. It doesn't Good. replace us, mm-hmm. but AI is about um, when you look at that, is it's looking at patterning, and um, we're all about data. We do a lot of research every day, I mean, that's how medications and everything are designed, created, uh, procedures. But there are ways that we can take information that's coming through machines, Mm-hmm. Uh, through data to make us smarter and better, and move things mm-hmm. along faster. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've had several speakers come in to talk to us um, about AI, and sometimes I know outside of the healthcare industry, people it worries people that you're going to be replaced, and yeah. uh, we see it. I see it personally as opportunity to advance us as professionals, so that we can get to answers to That's make true. healthcare better faster. Uh, it'll also help us in critical thinking to show patterning that maybe we need to act or react to a change sooner. And so uh, very excited about the future and what um, AI is bringing to the table. We're all watching mm-hmm.
1: it. Yeah. Nancy, is there one book that you would recommend people read that you have just really enjoyed?
2: I, I would say uh, I know uh, it's probably one of the most uh, popular books out there is Good to Great. Um, Still because I a good think book. people get so complacent with being good, mm-hmm. but don't always put the effort in to get to great. I love that, and uh, I think that's uh, very important. And there's another book out there. It's called "The Best Teams Win," and uh, it really talks about a um, and gives a lot of information about uh, how you take multiple generations and backgrounds and put those people together and appreciate and use that talent to create the best team that you can possibly create. Um, And uh, I've enjoyed reading it. We, um, We actually do about three to four book reviews with our entire leadership team every year. Uh-huh. Aha. That's good. Um, and so it, it kind of forces the hand to read a leadership book versus mm-hmm. just something clinical or maybe something fun. Mm-hmm. But then uh, we've done some creative ways where we ask the groups to uh, come up with, in subgroups, ways to present the information that they've learned and how we can apply it to our own teams.
1: That's so, good. I like yeah. that. Well, I think I'm going to give you another one. This one is called Do It Right. <laughs> So you can do a book review on that. Wow, Valerie, this is your your own book. Thank
2: you so much. This is great. (laughs) Nancy, thank thank you you
1: for being on the show. This has been enlightening. It's been delightful. It's wonderful, wonderful to have, first of all, a woman that has uh, risen to the top of your industry and also someone that is what this show is all about which is just true authenticity so thank you so much thank
2: you so much valerie you're welcome thank you
1: and until next time you stay authentic live your brand show up with presence and come back next week when we'll have another great show bye for now